we're talking about the controversial statements of Jesus. And the idea is, with this series, is that we get to a place where we take all of what Jesus said and we apply it to our lives. Not only to somebody else's lives, but to your life. So this morning, we're going to see how Jesus goes after the fleshly mindset. So I want you to say this over yourself. Lord, I ask you, say, Lord, I ask you to rebuke the fleshly me. Amen. So this is not for somebody else again. This is not for the Pharisee that you know, or your mother-in-law, or your husband, or your, or your kid. This is, this is for you. So you can open your Bibles to John 6. Glad so many of you brought your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we always say you can go and sit next to a Christian in church. And we're going to look at John 6. And we're really going to start only from verse 30, 34 or 35. So in John 6, we see the story in a little bit of context. Jesus just fed 5,000 people bread and fish. So he's doing these miracles. And then they went across to the other side of the sea. And in a way, you can already see Jesus saying, hey, this is what I can do. And we see crowds are gathering, but we always see that Jesus almost putting these tests out there. He's like, hey, listen here, see if you can find me, see if you can come after me. And we will see a lot of this in John 6, because Jesus is making some really controversial statements. Yeah. So Jesus fed the 5,000 people, moved to the other side of the sea, but then the crowd realized and they went after him. And then in verse 25 to 34, the crowd now arrived and Jesus addresses their fleshly desire for food or material things. And this is what he says, John 6, 26 to 27. Truly I say to you, you are seeking me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate your full of loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. By the way, you ate your full of the loaves is exactly how it stands in my ESV. I thought it should be full. But anyway. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, you didn't come after me because you saw the signs. You came after me because you received something of material value. So he's already going after their fleshly mindsets. So what he wanted them to see is that him doing these miracles is actually pointing to him being the Messiah. They must start to realize, listen, this is not a normal oak here. This is not a normal guy. This is the Messiah. But they're coming after him because they can receive something from him. And we often do that. We come to God because our universe revolves around ourselves. And the only thing that we think of is what can we get out of this relationship? It's very immature, by the way, if you think like that. And God is so willing to give us healing. He's so willing to give us forgiveness. He's so willing to even, even help us with material things. He is a good father. But what he wants us to do is he wants us to get into maturity where we understand that he is revealing something of his greatness. And when we understand who he truly is, we can reveal him better to other people. And then we will see more of his fruit 
more of his gifts, more even of his miracles manifesting in our lives and the people around us. So Jesus, at the first sight of these people following him, like, hey, I'm challenging your motives here. Are you just coming because you received food, or are you really seeing that I'm the Messiah? Because I'm going to put you to test now. I'm going to offend you even more. Because sometimes it's difficult to follow Jesus. Who of you have found it sometimes difficult? It's like you pray for something. You pray for the spring box. And then they win this World Cup, but then not going to win the next World Cup. And it doesn't happen like the way that you thought it will play out. So let's read from verse 35. And Jesus said to them, and this is the first of seven I am statements recorded in John. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. This is, should be offensive already. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. There is the compassionate, merciful heart of God. Hey, if you come to me, I will not cast you out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of who, of who sent me, of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raised it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Some profound statements that if you believe in Jesus, you can be sure of eternal life. If you're not sure of eternal life in the service to this morning, come to me afterwards, because God wants to give you that assurance of salvation. And then we see that the Jews grumbled. So verse 41, they're starting to grumble. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They offended. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? They cannot understand this. Like Jesus, you're supposed to speak the truth. And now you're saying you're coming from heaven. We know your parents. And Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Again, this statement, if you believe, you'll have eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna, the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of, his, of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Some more offensive language that Jesus is using. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Okay, so for us looking at this 
through the cross, understanding communion, this might not be offensive. But if you want to do good hermeneutics, the understanding interpretation of this, of Scripture, you need to put yourself in the position of the people that's now hearing this for the very first time. Here's somebody that's doing miracles. He has quite a following. And he says this. Listen here. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have life. It's offensive. So what is Jesus doing? He's making a truth statement but he's really communicating it in a very offensive way. Because what is he referring to? He's referring to what, what we read in Revelations 19, where it talks of the supper of the Lamb. It talks of the sacrifice that was paid by his body, by his blood, so that we can have access to God. He knew that he had to die. His blood had to be spilled gruesomely spilled on this earth so that we can have access to the Father that loves us. So he's making a truth statement, but he's communicating it in a very controversial, offensive way. And maybe we should take something from this. Often, we get offended by the package through which God delivers his message. You want it to come in this way, and God says, no, I'm going to use your kid. It's not going to come from the pastor. It's not going to come from the YouTube guy that you follow on, on social media. It's going to come from your kid. And he's going to put your, his finger to your nose and says, hey, Dad, listen here. You need to work on your temper. And sometimes I believe God wants to offend the mind Intellectually, it doesn't make sense. Why would Jesus do this? Why would he use this language? Why is he not just clearly telling them, listen here, so this is my body. I have blood in my body. I came in the flesh. I'm going to die so that all those prophetic words you see in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, will be fulfilled. So this is what I'm saying. But it doesn't give them that context. Because in a way, Jesus, he's trying to see something. And he's trying to see if we are willing, if we are able to put our fleshly minds away and listen with our spirits. And to hear with our spirits. So then the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Surely Jesus, I can just see his mother Mary like, okay, is what he lane, he says. Yes, what he lane. We've now heard you want to make some controversial statement. You're very offensive, but now you're going too far. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father's. So whoever feeds on me also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the Father's ate and died. So this is eternal, lasting nutrition to our souls, to our spirits, not just manna from heaven that will last for a while. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So, Jesus 
comments offend. We see verse 41, verse 52, but then also later in verse 62 that the Jews were upset, but even his own disciples were upset. They're offended. Jesus, why are you saying this? In verse 61 and verse 60, verse 66, could be verse 62. It says, But Jesus, knowing himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, so he knew that they were offended. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Just because he was offensive. They didn't like the package. They didn't like the language. They did not agree intellectually with what he was saying. They didn't like the way that he was doing these things. That's why it's so difficult in church if people start becoming just consumers. I like that worship leader. I didn't like Rikas with his Springbok top because I'm actually an Irish supporter or whatever it might be. When you start, hey, listen, I don't like that, I like that, I like that, I don't like that. It's very difficult because Jesus doesn't work like that. It almost feels like Jesus made a point of offending them so that he can get to the heart. He's offending the mind. And often God will do that so he can get to our heart so that he can reveal we need to look at things differently. How should we look at things? And we're going to get to, to that. So why were Jesus' comments so offensive? Verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. No help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. So the way that we need to understand them is through our spirit man. It's in relationship with God that they will make make sense. Romans 8, 7 says... Our mind of flesh is at enmity with God. So there's, there's an enemy in your being, and that's your mind of flesh. Enemy to God, and your mind of flesh. Nothing of a fleshly mind can please God. And we should get rid of the flesh. So the last, last week, actually a couple of, Weeks now, I've, I've trusted the Lord to remove even the smallest things, the, the bends that are not of the Lord, like fleshly stuff. So last week, a pastor phoned me, and we had a pastor summit, and he said, Amal, I, I was upset with something that you did, a small sin that I saw you committed, a white lie that you told. Because what happened, I... Uh, I was supposed to keep a secret. I didn't keep the secret. He found, he found out, and I was trying to defend myself. Because that's, that's the first thing we all do. Because we want to go into self-righteousness. So I was trying to tell him and, and make it less horrible what I did. And then afterwards, I didn't make it right with him. I didn't say to him, hey, sorry, sorry, Deval, uh, I was just a horrible sinner in that moment. I just left it. I hope you will forget, forget about it. So he phones me. He says, hey, Amal, for me it was just, I was upset by how easily you went and gave up your integrity when you were caught out. 
And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. In that moment, I'm like, I want to defend myself. I want to defend myself. I'm not a horrible sinner. I'm the pastor. We're doing great. God's moving. Holy Spirit's with me. And then I had to say, listen, I'm so grateful, thankful. I wasn't grateful and thankful. But I know my spirit man is. For what you said. Because it will help me in understanding the fear of God. Understanding who is this one that sees everything. That reveals everything. That knows everything. So thank you, Jesus. And that is a fleshly mindset. If you always want to defend yourself, fleshly mindset. If you want to cover up your sin, make it less horrible. It's a fleshly mindset, by the way. I was in a meeting and I felt the Lord saying, God cannot bless disobedience. And afterwards, a guy came to me and he said, I'm disobedient. I cannot tell you in what thing I'm disobedient, but please just pray for me. And I could pray a blessing over him, and I believe God will lead him to confess everything so that he can get free, so that God can bless him. But what, blessed, what disobedience does, it takes you away from under the blood because you're falling into self-righteousness. Even if you don't want to confess sin, it takes you away from under the blood. But if you confess sin, you're in the blood. doesn't matter how difficult it is. It just brings you back, back to under the blood. And then the spiritual truth is that you are forgiven in that moment. So let's remove the flesh. So his words were revealing truths. But the people interpreted them with their fleshly minds. They came for bread, not for the Messiah. They came for material gifts they could receive from Jesus, not understanding that He is the Messiah, that He is life itself. They didn't understand that He came from heaven. They thought, well, we know His parents, so obviously He cannot come from heaven. He is not the incarnated God. They didn't understand that He is not talking about His bodily flesh when He said, drink my blood, eat my flesh. Why? Because they had fleshly mindsets. But then we see so powerfully at the end, Jesus now turning to his disciples and challenging them. Hey, are you going to leave now? Verse 67, do you want to go away as well? And here's where we love Peter. Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the only, the Holy One of God. So Peter didn't walk away. For him, it was also hard saying. It talks of his disciples grumbling, not understanding what he was saying. So they, in a way, also offended with Jesus. But why? Does Peter stay with Jesus? Because he understands through his faith in Jesus Christ that he is the Lord, he is the Messiah, and with him is life. So no matter what comes out of his mouth, he knows just in relationship with him, he can receive the blessing of God and he can receive life. Why would he disconnect himself from Jesus just because he doesn't understand the words that come from Jesus' mouth? And we also have that challenge. We have that challenge with the Holy Spirit. 
Some people are offended with the Holy Spirit because he makes some people pray in tongues and speak in tongues. There's weird things happening. Some people fall to the ground. Some people laugh. And we're like, no, no, I don't understand this. So I'm going to distance myself from this. And therefore, I'm not going to allow for the life that comes through the Holy Spirit. That's a represent- that is the representation of Jesus to now change me and transform me. But after reading this, I'm, I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't understand what, what's happening here. Maybe you can do it a little differently next time. Don't offend the Duomenes of Sion in me in this moment, please. But still I choose to say, Holy Spirit, not as my will. Not in my way, but in your way. Because I know with you is life. I know with you. There's life and there's blessing and there's goodness. Everything that comes from the Lord is revealed in us through, through the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus is challenging us. He says, you've signed up and you said yes, most of us, to follow me. But are you willing to follow me through everything? If I rebuke you through a friend, are you willing to follow me? If there's something in Scripture that you don't understand, are you willing to follow me? If you said, yes, Lord, I'm willing to go anywhere where you've sent me for no money. doesn't matter. I just want to be with you. You've prayed that prayer and you sang that song and now God's sending you to Zakunda. You're like, God, I'm so offended. No golf courses, Secunda, or the golf courses that are there, they're not green. At least there's lights from Sussel in the evening. I don't have to smoke there anymore because there's just polluted air everywhere. So are we willing to follow Jesus? Somebody said it's not difficult. It's impossible. And you will, get, you will get offended. But do not get offended with Jesus. You will get offended. But do not remain offended with Jesus. It's difficult. 